Well, hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast. I'm your host for today, J.P. Gaylord. We've got a great show for you today. We'll be touching on parables, narrative, and questionable sections of scripture. Stay tuned to find out what that means. And we are joined today by the one and only Charles... Kirby. I'm Charles Kirby. <laughs> and Danny Turner. Hey, everybody. You have to end hey, the question. Everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's a statement. Hey, everybody. That's right. You may have noticed we are slightly making fun of Amy, but we feel like that's okay because Amy doesn't listen to any of the podcasts she's not in. And she's not here right now. She also is not here. We've been giving her a hard time because sometimes when she introduces the podcast, she goes up with her voice uh, when she says her name, which makes you feel like she's not sure if that's actually her name. So go back and listen to previous podcasts and tell us we're right. Uh, All right, so we're going to start with a game it's not much of a game. It's more questions. We'll call it lightning round. Yeah. All right. And Charles is going to enjoy a dessert donut. Yeah. From Steenstra's. From Steenstra's. Shout out to Steenstra's. Thank you. These donuts are fantastic. It's a great donut. This donut shop is endorsed by Redemption Church and its leadership. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, question one. What is a song that's really hitting different for you guys right now? Yeah. Um, a song uh, that's hitting different for us or for me. Us. For you personally. Yeah. Unless this is the royal we. Um, I'm loving the song Lean Back by, I don't know who originally did it. I think it was Maverick City. I think so. Uh, We started doing it at student ministry and like almost every worship song for me, I liked it um, when I'd heard it, but I loved it when we did it um, in church with the students. We've been doing it consistently. Just the idea of leaning back into a loving, beautiful father love that image of seeing God like that and trusting him and leaning into his presence. That's been really good. Awesome. Yeah. I think I would have two. Sorry. One is an old hymn, uh, Be Still My Soul. Great song. So I'm learning to um, bust out a guitar and start playing some of these older songs. And that was one of them that was really meaningful. I played it for my wife and sang it and she goes, wow. And I think if you don't know that song, it is a great song of reprieve, but also of lament. So if there is stuff that's going, uh, I'd say more difficult, then Be Still My Soul is a wonderful song. Uh, Another one is, uh, I guess a more recent one by, is it Carrie Joby? Is that how you say her name? I think it's Job. Is it really? I don't know. Carrie Job. The E is silent. Sorry. So it's not like Nike. No. Carrie, Carrie Job. Carrie Jobay. Yeah, Carrie, Carrie Jobay. Uh, she sings a song called Cause of Christ, um, which her version of it is, is pretty good, but I liked uh, a way that we heard it in uh, Columbus, Ohio at a conference I was in. But that's a, that's a rich song. Again, just about your uh, declaration that you are standing uh, for the cause of Christ. Yeah, great, great lyrics. Awesome. 
Uh, for me, I got a bunch of them, but yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Amanda Cook has a new single out called There Is Nothing. Hmm. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. So she's really cool. She is. Yeah. There is nothing. I'm gonna, I need to get a pen. I need to write these down. Yeah. All right. Charles will be excused from the podcast for a few minutes while See he you, looks man. for a pen or a number two pencil. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just. Uh, Really simple uh, in terms of what it's trying to express, but it's a really cool song. So I think it's coming with some other songs, but this was the pre-release that I found on YouTube. So really excited about it. All right. Second one, an activity you are looking forward to or wish you could be doing in the next few weeks. Oh man, I cannot wait. We've done it once so far this year, but it's just now getting warm enough as a Kentucky boy for me to venture outside near Lake Michigan for prolonged periods of time. My (laughs) wife would have a different opinion on that because she's from Michigan. So she's like, if it's 55 and cloudy, we'll go to the beach. And I'm like, no way, dude. Um, But I cannot wait for it to be warm enough. My son Malachi is just about to start walking and he is ready to cruise up and down the beach and I can't wait for it. So I'm praying that that's sooner rather than later. Has he been to the beach? Oh yeah, he's been to the beach. Um, his mom is a nurse, so she's a little worried about sand getting into his little precious eyes. Um, so we're waiting for him to be walking to give him like full rain, tear it up. Don't worry if you have more kids, uh, <laughs> they will introduce sand into his eyes anyway. Yeah, it's just so normal, they throw sand at each other all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great parental advice too, Charles. Yeah, it's not advice. It's just an inevitability. It's just reality. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Charles? Uh, An activity I'm looking forward to. Besides Um, eating the donut. Yeah, it's sitting there. It's one bite out of it. Um, I would say we just put in a basketball hoop. So I'm looking forward to playing some games against my children who are amazed that their father actually can play basketball. Let's go. So, sorry kids, I played for a while. That's funny. Yeah, I kind of get the same sense with my kids sometimes that they're amazed that I have any athletic ability at all. (laughs) Isn't it sad? (laughs) It's like, what do you think I do? (laughs) Just sit in a chair? Come on. Yeah, anyways, that's funny. Hey, by the way, what's the name of the song? It was The song is, I think it's called There Is Nothing by Amanda Cook. Thank you. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, for me, we just picked up some model rocket stuff on Amazon. What? Yes. Yes. Uh, so trying to make sure that we don't get ourselves in trouble because I don't know if there are any regulations about this. Oh, yeah. Are these the ones that shoot like so high in the air? Uh, there are some that go like super high. I think I bought the toned down engines. Okay. One, so we don't lose them and two, so we don't get ourselves in trouble. But, but it's the one where you flip the switch and then it goes whoosh, and just shoots straight up into the air. Yeah, there's like a launch pad with yes. like a metal, yeah. uh, yeah, what would you call it? Goes Baton, up. metal stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and... You get like this little plastic box. You have to put a key in and push down and yes. it makes contact. And so look at cool. that. Yeah. Super excited about wow. it. Need to find a really calm day. And I'm a little disappointed because the sets we ordered, I remember back in my day with my dad, it was like a bunch of wood pieces that you had to glue together. So that's totally what I was expecting. We get the packages from Amazon and it's like a tube an end piece with all of the fins already attached or molded plastic and then like a parachute you have to tape or glue on. So I think it'll still be fun. The kids are excited. Looking forward to that. 
All right. Number three, a place you wish you could go or are planning on going in the next few weeks? Few weeks. Wow. Weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um, Why not? Yeah. I like it. We are trying to go to Traverse City um, for a weekend, which is fun for us. My wife and I uh, honeymooned in Traverse City. Love it up there. It's just a few hours away. It feels like you're in kind of a different world. Yeah, it is. And I'm not from Michigan, so I love exploring Michigan, mm. and it, it's beautiful. So, yeah, Man. Traverse City. Awesome. Yeah, we're planning on going. I've never been to, I don't think I've ever been to the UP. So we're going up to pic- Pictured Rocks early season, June something. But I hope it's warm because last time when I first came to Michigan, I went camping in Ludington in May and it was freezing. I said, this place is awful. <laughs> so if we're going even more north, we're, and we're planning on doing uh, tent camping. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm spending a couple days there. Yeah. That's fun. Mine's more imaginary. Uh, oh, sorry. I, this is not places we wanted no, to go. No, no. This is great. Are, are going. Uh, I would also jump on the camping bandwagon for, we don't have an actual date that we're going to go camping, but I'm really excited to go camping this year. Uh, The imaginary places, well, the places aren't imaginary, but if I could go, uh, the two that came to mind were Rome and Hawaii. dude. Dang. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been to Rome. Rome's great. Rome is pretty cool. I'd go to Rome. Have you guys been to Australia? I, I hear there. they talk a little funny. But they do, but two reasons to go to Australia. Australia, Hillsong is there. Okay, and the show Bluey. Oh my goodness, is an Australian show. What Fantastic. is Bluey? If you don't know about Bluey? Bluey um, you obviously don't have cartoon young, character young for kids. little kids. Yeah, but it's the best TV show. I actually know. I won't call them out, but I know people my age that don't have children. They just watch Bluey because it's wow. very wow. comforting and it's a great show. So there you go. Anything's better than Teletubbies. That's go all Australia. I gotta say. Do they speak with the accent in the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're blue healers. That's a cartoon. All right. Well, like my dog, Dottie. I, yeah, it's a dog. So, okay. Yeah. I'm down. So, there all you right. Go. Last round of the lightning round. What's a Bible passage that's been meaningful or through which God has spoken to you recently? Uh, what's the Bible? I, I the, think it's... The it, B-I-B-L-E? That sounds like the book for you. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to kick us off, Charles? Um, I would say right now I've been reading a little bit in Mark as well as studying a little bit more in Revelation. And so those two are not uh, opposed to each other. They're just different. Um, but just looking at, I'd say in Mark, some of the narrative passages of Jesus, uh, I would say, I mentioned to you guys the passage of the Seraphonician woman where he says to her, like, let, let the children be fed first. And then the woman replies, but even the dogs get crumbs that fall from the children's table or the master's table. And... Jesus marvels at her faith and says, because you said that you can go away. And I just think of like Jesus in his understanding of people, but also loving to watch people's faith in God. Like it just astounds me that one of the most beautiful things that he could stop and wonder at is faith that people have in uh, one, the father, and then ultimately finding him 
it's just phenomenal. Yeah. It's great, man. Um, yeah, I have been loving um, the stories of Jesus recently. Um, we've been kind of using those through the series I'm doing with the students. Um, but um, a little verse really that I've loved um, recently this past week is um, in Jeremiah um, in 616, it says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. And um, what's interesting about that verse is that it, it has some weird echoes to what Jesus says about come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest, take my yoke or my way of doing things on you and I will give you rest um, for your soul. Um, so just seeing that as a theme um, that there's a way of doing life with God that leads to rest in the soul. I feel like a broken record because it seems like what I always say these days, but it's beautiful and I want that for my life. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with, uh, interestingly enough, Charles, it is also Mark and yes. Revelation. I'm reading a book yes. on Revelation, which is uh, invigorating hmm. and enth what is it? enthralling. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to say it because I don't know if it's endorsed by Redemption Church or its leadership. <laughs> okay. It's I called guess a, a, oh. Revelation for the Rest of Us. Gotcha. Uh, a different take, uh, a non-dispensational take on the book of Revelation. Oh, Who's man. Who's it by? Uh, Scott McKnight. Yeah. Okay. Yikes. Really interesting book. Yikes. Um, yeah. yep. but, Always uh, read with discernment, but read. It's he's necessary. Great. Scott McKnight's awesome. Yeah, I like him a lot. He wrote a book called The Church Called Tove. Oh, yeah. So check that out. Cool. Uh, but in Mark, we actually just went through in one of our training nights, we went through the parable of the tenants. And I'm amazed at how many things there are in there that just stop and make you stop and think. Uh, the landowner, the vineyard owner who keeps sending servants. And I mean, this is one of the things we're hoping to get to is how do you approach uh, parables versus narrative? And you look at the vineyard owner who keeps sending servants into harm's way and you're like, hey, like that doesn't, it doesn't seem like a good idea. And it actually got brought out like, isn't that the definition of insanity these days is continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different result? And we're obviously not calling God insane, but uh, it, it does present a little bit of a dilemma versus seeing yourself in the tenants uh, and seeing how you want to do things your way and not give God what is due. Uh, but there's also seeing yourself in the place of the servants of the vineyard owner and recognizing that God is sending you into a place that is incredibly hostile. And yet the answer isn't safety and security. The answer is, well, you, you go, you take the beating that they're about to give you and that's your service, uh, which is maybe not how we tend to conceive of the Christian life. So uh, just been kind of thinking and dwelling on that for a bit. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. That is uh, yeah, that's the lightning it. round. But I think we're going to call an audible. Okay. Well, I don't just think, I know. Yeah, Because oh, okay. I am audible. the host of the podcast today. And uh, this is kind of what we have a habit of doing. Danny, Charles, and I sit <laughs> out in a little pod of desks and just somewhere in the middle of the day, someone will ask a question and yeah. it'll turn into a three-hour discussion. And we get into it. Yeah. So I blame Danny. 
It normally is my fault. I think it's all of our faults. Yeah. yeah. So here's my question. Charles, you brought up uh, the passage where uh, with the Syrophoenician woman and how Jesus marvels at her his marvels at her faith. And you made the comment somewhere along the lines of Jesus uh, what was it? About marveling at faith or yeah, just being he's worth- astonished. He marvels like the Bible talks about it, especially with uh, like uh, I think of a centurion who says, just say the word and yeah. my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, I haven't seen such faith even among my own people. Like yeah, this think, is amazing. And then yeah. he looks at the- Jesus is astonished. Asto- astonished, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's like, it stops him. Like even the woman who touches him was the bleeding disorder. He stops and goes, daughter, your faith has saved you. Mm-hmm. Like the care of people's faith. Jesus isn't flippant with faith. Like that's, God loves that. Because I think as Hebrews 11 says, like without faith, it's impossible to please God. So therefore, if you have faith, that pleases God. And so, it's good. Uh, no, this is just it. I, I, you know, I heard someone say at one point, like there is a kind of faith that amazes God, uh, that God marvels at. And, you know, I think as Christians, we always talk about faith and having faith. And that's, you know, one of the basic requirements, if I can use that word for being a Christian, is having faith in God, uh, where I would imagine that the disciples have at least a little bit of faith, a mustard seed-sized faith. Uh, There are people following him who have faith. What is it that sets the faith of these people apart? Like, if I look at this and I say, man, I really want my faith to be of such quality that it astonishes God or that God takes note of my faith being different. Not as like a a contest to have better faith than Danny or something like that, but I want my faith to be of quality and of worth and something that God appreciates. What am I looking at doing? What is it about these people? Or let's just talk about the nuances of faith. And Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is an audible. Yeah, I like it. Go for it. Um, yeah, I like it. We, we've kind of been talking about this in the series with the students um, in the, the series Real Life is what we've been calling it. And it's just kind of been an invitation to see life for what it really is. And I think that that's part of understanding what faith is, is that we as human beings have a limited framework or um, how to say it, like we understand partially and can see and can sense and can recognize partially what's happening in, in the grand scheme of things. But then there's this other world that the scriptures seem to invite us into um, that Jesus himself is um, kind of talking about and living through. Um, and so then when you see him say things like, look to the birds of the air or whatever, they're, they're cared for your heavenly father. So why are you anxious? It seems like a, what he's saying is is not just that you're silly, but that you have a limited understanding of really what's happening. And it seems like the people that really get it, like the centurion going, if you're God and you, you must be, then you can heal whatever you want. He's, he's making a statement, not maybe out of like a religious place or like whatever, but he's really just making a statement about reality that you are God. So obviously you are in charge and you can do whatever you want. Um, so I, I think, you know, um, it's to some degree, those people that have had their eyes opened um, enough really to see life for what it really is um, that God sees is really astonishing. Yeah, as I think 
faith for me has always been mental assent to truth. It has always been something that you can affirm verbally. So if I said, what do you believe about Jesus, right? Then people then can rattle off facts of Jesus. Well, I believe that he died for my sins or that he was God, came, born of a virgin, lived perfectly, died for my sins, rose again, and now he's reigning in heaven. You all, okay, you're okay. Now, that's not wrong, but the problem is it's not sufficient. It's not sufficient because James rebukes a faith that is simply affirming and does not actually live. And that is the hardest part is when you look at faith biblically, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So like you just said, the example of the uh, centurion, there was assurance that God is God. He's able to do something. So therefore his actions changed accordingly. If your actions are not changing according to things that you are affirming verbally or mentally assenting to, James says, what good is that? He asked that question, what good is that faith? That faith doesn't change you. It is actually not a biblical sufficient faith. He actually asked, can that faith save him? That's scary. Yeah. Because there is this aspect of, James would say also in James 2, like, good, you believe that? So do demons. You, you've gotten to the role of, you've gotten to the, the tier of <laughs> demonic faith. Yeah, that's how they see the world, right? Yeah, yeah, they understand that. They actually respond by shuddering. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and so the question is really like, as James asks it, which was highly problematic for one in particular gentleman, Martin Luther, but you're looking at this going, what, what do I do with this passage that demands action of my faith? Well, I would say that is where humility and prayer come in. Because if I'm saying, God, you are sovereign, or if I believe God, you are my provider, but I live in constant anxiety over everything that I see, and not in peace in the presence of God, the one who cares for me, perhaps I do not actually believe that which I say I believe. And that is where we need to pray just like the, in the biblical accounts of Jesus, where the gentleman says, increase my faith, help my unbelief. Like those, those prayers are good. We want those things to happen. And I would say that would be the difference of the astonishing faith versus trivial faith because Many people can say something, but ultimately when Jesus sees the, the proof of it in action, that is when he's marveling. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think uh, the two thoughts that come to mind for me, and Danny, you've been saying this a number of times at uh, RSM, is uh, your, your mentor who said, I want to build my life so thoroughly on the foundation of faith in God that if God turned out not to be real, everything in my life would crumble. Uh, and I know, I know in my life that it's not necessarily built like that. It's been a huge challenge to hear that. Uh, and I want to build my life more like that. But, you know, to lean into, hey, if God doesn't show up or God doesn't exist, then this whole thing falls apart. Uh, and it also makes me think of, yeah, you've got this Syrophoenician woman who's absolutely desperate for, I think it's a healing for her daughter, right? And despite the... Dis yeah. Uh, despite the disciples ignoring her for who knows how long and then going to Jesus and saying, would you please send her away? She's not leaving us alone. 
then Jesus, like the Lord of the universe, uses, uh, I think, what could be attributed as a racial slur? Is this too strong? No, it is a demarcation of the worthlessness of the Gentiles. He calls her a dog. I mean, that's that's a very strong statement of basically saying, like, you are a lower tier of being. But that, that wouldn't necessarily be, well, I guess it would be. Anybody outside of a Jew was considered that, so. Yeah. Yeah. So then Jesus uses this highly offensive way of speaking to her. Yeah. And she sticks in there and is like, I need what only you have. So I think what you see in her is uh, a recognition that Jesus is the only one who can provide what she needs. With the centurion, what you see is a recognition that God is totally unlike, Jesus is totally like, unlike anyone or anything else and has a totally, because I think for everybody else, they're operating with Jesus as a guy or a person who can manipulate the mechanisms of nature to get what he wants versus the one whom nature conforms to. Yes. And that's so, so good. I've been trying to say that this like whole series. Say it again. Yes. Say it again. No, right? Because I think that's it's it's it's. Sorry to interrupt you really quickly, no. but it's 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 tempting, and maybe this is just how I grew up seeing it, to look at Jesus and the miracles and whatever as going outside of the natural framework of how things work. But in in reality, what he's doing is exposing the central nature that he is creator and sustainer. Yeah. And so he can work however he wants to, and we actually are the ones that are out on really what's happening, not him. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, no, that's good. So you get these two people in these two cases who recognize Jesus for who he is in different ways and Jesus marvels at their faith. But I think even as you go through the Old Testament, you see similar things. People who have experiences with God, we'll get to this one in our series on Genesis, but Jacob who wrestles with the angel and there's something about the way he wrestles There's like a tenacity about him. He refuses to let go and he demands a blessing. Whereas evangelicals, we look at that and we're like, well, I'm not sure that's the principle I want to draw from this story, demanding a blessing from God. But he won't let go until he blesses him. But then I think the greater part of the story is even after he gets the blessing, he goes, what's your name? which is amazing. I think he knows that this is not just another thing or even a spiritual being that he's wrestling with. Like there is something going on that he can't even begin to understand. And he just wants to enter into it to the point where he gets his hip wrenched and can't even walk right afterwards. I think that is an absolutely amazing story. Uh, You get um, Joshua talk about Joshua for a second because the thing that ends up qualifying him to lead the Israelites after Moses dies is the fact that he lingers in the tent of meeting. Like Moses goes in, he does business with God. God meets with him face to face, tells him what he needs to hear so he can go out and lead the Israelites. But I forget what verse it is. There's a verse that says that Joshua lingers in the tent of meeting. Uh, and you see something in Joshua that this isn't just a thrill, you know, when, when the 10 command Moses is up on the mountain, you know, uh, encircled in darkness and bolts of lightning and no one can go touch the mountain. Otherwise they'll die. Like there's something going on here that is for a lot of people like, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, the way I look at thunderstorms, like this is great. I love it. But 
it's at some level it's kind of entertainment, you know, cool. It makes my heart pound and like, great. But there's something with Joshua where it goes beyond just the entertainment or the emotional value of it. And he just wants to sit in that presence. Um, and so as you look through, I mean, David, you go through David's life and David says things like your, your love is better than life. Uh, and I don't think it's just a poetic way of saying like, man, your love's really cool. Like, I think there's something about him that's saying like, this is, I, I wouldn't even mind if I died right now, as long as I was with you and experienced your love. Um, yeah, so I think there's something about faith. All that to say, I feel like there are characters in the Bible uh, that kind of get the realm they're stepping into. And even if they can't define the limits of it, understand the amazing nature and possibility of who God is. And rather than settling for like, hey, this didn't work this way this time, or, you know, I prayed and it didn't happen. There's just this tenacity to say, but I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. And I want to enter into it. I don't care if it costs me everything I have. I don't even care if it costs me my life. Like, I believe you are who you say you are. And so I don't know how I could go back to living the same way. That's my thought. Uh, but I love these passages where Jesus, God himself, marvels at someone's faith. And for as much as you wonder, like, what, what kind of offering could I bring to God that would be meaningful to him? And you think of, oh, I could write him a poem or a song or something like that. I think those are great things. I think scripture seems to at times be pointing to, yes, obedience <laughs> as well, but man, faith, like there is faith that causes Jesus to stop and marvel and be astonished. And if I'm thinking, what do I want to get Jesus as a gift? Like, I think that's, that's near the top of the list. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I would say one thing that you mentioned at the end there of the greatest gift to God would be, uh, not a, again, we're not repaying God of something, but it's just something that he would desire out of his people being faith. I mean, that is, as you say that, it made me think of 1 Peter 1, where God is constantly valuing your faith to the degree that he's refining it over and over and over again, which he says is more precious than gold. Hmm. Your faith is more precious than gold. And Peter then goes on and talks about that that is through trial, through suffering, but then he makes these statements in First Peter where it says, even though you do not see him, you love him. And he says, even though you do not see him now, yet believe in him and are filled with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining is the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I go, the treasure that we are going to receive in the person of Jesus not from him, but in him, himself, far outweighs anything else. And that's why I think Hebrews eleven six saying, without faith, it's impossible to please God, whoever would draw near to God, which let me remind us, that is one of the great benefits of being his child is drawing near to him. Must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him, seeking him. 
seeking him. Your faith is the persistence of going after him. Even when there's clouds of darkness, or even as uh, the old hymn goes, when darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil that Christ is our rock. And I think that is, that is where our faith does not shift, doesn't need to. It will, but that's because it's also being tried and it's being refined. And those are good things. They're difficult things, but that is also something, again, the persistence of pursuing God is also pleasing to him. That's good. Well, always the pragmatist, if we're sitting here, if if you're sitting there listening to us and asking yourself the same question as I am, which is my faith is probably not at the level of being able to cause Jesus to marvel or be astonished. (laughs) Uh, Yet, let's throw in the word yet, but I want to get there. Mm. What does that look like? It's one thing to recognize I want that, but I'm not yet there. Hmm. What does the pathway to get there look like? Yeah, could I... um... I'll just say, and this isn't exhaustive, this is just an idea that's been working for me, right? And I would say, first, to somebody who is listening to this, your life with Jesus is a journey. Mm -hmm. And I think even that passage, one of the things that strikes me about Jesus talking about anxiety, because I think if you read that passage about towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount about the birds of the air and whatever, and God saying, or Jesus saying, do not be anxious about your life or whatever, the things that we normally are anxious about, it can feel like a slap on the wrist, but he loves, or he uses this phrase, uh, oh, you of little faith, which um, to quote my, my man, Dallas Willard, the way he interprets that is not like a slap across the, the wrist or whatever, or, or degrading, but it's almost like he's saying, um, oh, you little faiths. Oh, you people that are young in your faith and prone to not seeing the world the way that I see it. And so it's an invitation to, to learn to do it more. I think practically what's been so, so valuable to me is carving out time to be silent before the Lord and seek him. This isn't like weird, like Eastern meditation where you're trying to like go into nothingness. This is the Christian um, ancient really Jewish way of seeking the Lord with my mind and my body and my soul actually um, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is inside of me. It's deep calling to deep in a way. And so just taking time to slow down. And I'll tell you just word to the wise in 2023, this is going to feel really weird. It's going to feel, it's going to go against the grain. It's been very hard for me to even sit still for about five minutes at a time. My mind races, the enemy whispers things. I and my own flesh just go all over the place. But man, when you start to make that a safe place, your central part of you in the silence goes to God. I was driving into work today and this rarely happens. So don't, don't use me as like the, the barometer if, if I'm doing this right or not. But Oh no, my expectation <laughs> is through the roof so right high. now. Come on, saying. whatever Danny says is what <laughs> no, I should experience. No, but I'm driving into work and I, I just, I was in um, like the middle of Allendale, just the country, whatever. And it's just beautiful. The sky is like really nice in the morning. And I had this idea and I just, in my spirit, just was saying, thank you, God. And I literally, like, like I love my wife on my wedding day and like I love my son, said to God, I love you. 
I love you with my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength. And I thought, whoa, that's weird. As, and I'll say there's a pastor as a Christian now for years, it's weird to have that now intimacy of trusting or having faith in God now boil up to the point where my natural response is, thank you, I love you. So I, anyway, I think that some of that has been born from, from silence. Um, so make it happen, man, you can do it. Well, I mean, a lot of this pushes back into what I would consider maybe you need to broaden out the terminology a little bit, but the one, I mean, there are lots of promises of God that will happen, right? Uh, and that we can count on God to do. But the, I, I feel like the one promise, the most important promise for today or right now, like even as we're talking on this podcast is God has promised his presence. That's what I can count on. Uh, and with the presence comes wisdom. With the presence comes, you know, love and affection and grace and mercy and all those things. But it's, it's his presence. And in any and every moment, I have access, access to his presence to enter the, the throne room with confidence, you know, and all those things. Uh, and yet we so rarely take advantage of that to just be present. Uh, Charles, any thoughts on if you realize your faith is lacking in some way or, or falling short of the, not the standard, but the possibility like the centurion or the Syrophoenician woman, uh, how do you grow in your faith? I would say just in my own experience, I mean, it, it's hard being pulled in so many directions. I would say an evening in the Kirby house is pretty crazy at times. And it's those where I'm like, yeah, my faith doesn't really mean too much, too much to me right now. Like this is, this is out of control. I've lost it. I think in those moments, like my heart in terms of faith can feel like, yep, there I did it again. There I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. On and on and on. And in my life, if I go back and read in my journal, I can show how long I have wrestled through some of the same exact things over and over again. If I looked at my life as I don't see my faith increasing or I don't know if my faith is growing, I would say for me, one of the telltale marks is my sensitivity to the spirit of God drawing me back to God. How quickly do I return? I just read with my son, Proverbs 1. And wisdom is crying out in the streets and in the alleys and in, at the gates and all of these places where typically we go. And one of the things it says is, if you turn to me and hear my reproof. And I said to my son, and I realized it for myself, that's something that we in faith should receive quicker. Because when the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines his kids. So therefore do not despise or reject. Because again, it is through the difficulty of sometimes even our greatest weaknesses, which we abhor in America, abhor weaknesses. The Lord delights in them. As Paul says, like I've learned to delight in my weaknesses because then God's power is shown in me. I think if we recognize our frailty, 
that we would be quick to recognize that in that moment, our faith is growing to see that God actually is for us and not against us, that he actually loves us, that we actually have an advocate who's declared over us right standing before God. And it, for me, it's been through many, many times of not and trying to correct things myself and defend myself and make it right myself and make me feel better about how I actually am and failing over and over and over and over again and going, God, your patience is amazing. God, your love for me literally can't end. You actually believe that I am your son. Help me to believe that. <laughs> I'm trying to believe, like you do. Like, I, like God declares over me that I am his. And the proof of that is the conviction of the spirit of God to draw me back to the kindness and the goodness and the nearness of God. I think of Psalm 73, where he says and laments, he goes over and over again, like my, my soul is embittered within me. Like I, I wanted to keep my heart pure, but I'm being punished over and over again. What's the point of this? And at the end of it, he says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He also declares that the nearness of God is my good. And I look at that and I go, that's, that's what I want, Lord. If you're going to increase my faith, Lord, make me appreciate your nearness. Make me appreciate the fact that I can actually go to you and be restored. Yeah, that, hang on, what Psalm was that again? 73, Psalm 73, which... I looked at it again because it's just one that I need my eyes on over and over again. I would recommend you read it. I heard a guy preach on it. It was me, and it was really, <laughs> it was, it was, it was actually a really fun message to do because I realized that God views us as His loved children more through that psalm. I love because it because His hand holds Him. And I pictured a father just patiently holding the hand of a child that is resisting and trying to go the other way, yet keeps walking graciously forward. And then the child learns that where my dad takes me is good. And, That's yeah. good. That's good. All right, I got two things for you real quick. First of all, uh, I can tell you that both Danny and I felt like trash as we walked in to record the podcast. <laughs> we had some sketchy Chinese food. The same sketchy Chinese food. So I'm guessing there needs to be a break here. No, oh, okay. no. In Go fact, ahead. I can't speak for Danny, yeah. but I am feeling like a hundred times better. Yeah, so good feeling good. Good. if you eat sketchy Chinese food and you feel sick, just start talking about the Bible with people. <laughs> and wash it down with a steamstress donut. There you go. That's, uh, Shout that's out Charles. Shout out to uh, but no, I, I think it's interesting we're asking this question, how do we increase our faith? Because it's actually one that the disciples asked Jesus yeah. uh, in Luke 17. Uh, verse five, it says, the disciples said to the Lord, increase our faith, exclamation point. The Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Weird passage. Uh, I have never spoken to a mulberry tree, don't even know what they look like. But I think what Jesus is saying is, listen, even the little bit, littlest bit of faith can accomplish amazing things. And I don't know why we don't lean into this more. You have promises all over scripture about the efficacy of prayer. Ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. And Jesus seems to treat the disciples like they're idiots because he usually repeats the same thing three times in different ways, whether it's at the end of the Lord's prayer uh, and what well, you get the parable of the friend coming at midnight, which is basically saying, if the friend will give you what you're asking for, how much more will God? Then you move into the ask, seek and knock 
because uh, if you ask, you'll be given. If you seek, it'll be found. And if you knock, the door will be opened, which is another way of saying, if you ask, I'll give it to you. And then right after that is the section that says, um, oh, what is it? Oh, if you, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father? Which is basically saying, you can give good gifts, so why don't you think God can give good gifts? In other words, ask and you'll receive. But it's the same thing in like John 14, verses 12 through 14, where Jesus says, you'll do greater works than this. And then the next sentence basically says, you'll do greater works than I'm doing. And then the last sentence says, you'll do greater works than I'm doing. And, you know, for some reason, we struggle to believe that. And so I think as you look at this, as they say, increase our faith, Jesus is saying, hey, look, there is a kind of faith at which point, like because you are so aligned with the Father and so in tune with what God is doing and how he is bringing his kingdom into this world, like even this kind of thing happens. And as I look at my faith, I say, okay, well, I've got a ways to go, but I want to get there. Uh, then he goes into this section uh, on unworthy servants. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the ta at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Kind of makes me think, Think of uh, Karate Kid, right? Remember when Daniel starts working for uh, Mr. Miyagi? <laughs> there it is, Mr. Miyagi. And he oh, has him like, son. clean the car and wax paint, the yeah, floors. Yeah, and paint the fence. Paint the fence. Wax on, wax off. And Daniel's spending the entire time going like, this is dumb. Why am I doing that? I'm just doing your chores Instead, for you. Instead, he runs around as a shower. I mean, what's that about, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he dresses up as a shower. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it is, in the one party. Anyways, that was a different scene. That, that was a different scene. Go ahead. <laughs> probably, probably need a disclaimer there, but you get the idea. There we go. Uh, and I think it's probably the same thing. So often we, we distrust God and wonder why we're going through things when actually the very things God is leading us through, difficult as they may be, annoying as they may be, boring as they may be, are actually the very things meant to increase our faith uh, and help us grow. And then you get in. So it, this is like, I see all of chapter 17. Uh, I'm just winging it, by the way. So if I'm wrong on any of this, uh, please let me know. Uh, you get into Jesus cleansing the 10 lepers, which is this story about there to these 10 lepers and Jesus, they're crying out to Jesus for healing. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. So he doesn't even heal them, but on the way they find out they're healed. One guy comes back and the other nine just go off and live a merry little life, you know, no longer in leprosy. Uh, and Jesus uh, and verse 17 says, then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So again, you get faith. But I think what's happening here is the other guys were just looking for the other lepers. Maybe there were lady lepers in the colony too. Um, <laughs> but they were just looking for healing. And they connected with something that was so much greater than just a healing, but only one of them actually recognizes the greatness of what he came in contact to. The other nine go on their way because they got what they wanted. And the one comes back and is like, this isn't just about a healing. This is a holy moment. Who are you that you can send me on my way and I can be healed? 
And as we think about increasing our faith, how often do we pass over the blessings of God thinking, well, I got what I wanted. I'm just going to move. Or, you know, we just say a little hallelujah, praise Jesus. And we, we keep on going with our lives rather than recognizing that in so many moments as God is acting in our conversations, in our relationships, uh, answering prayers, that this is the, the open door to divine encounter. Like this is God stepping into our little lives and answering our prayers and working in and through us. And rather than just going about our merry little business, doing what we've got to do, I think it's really the opportunity to turn back around and say, there's so, something so much bigger going on here. And then to continue in the chapter, uh, it says in verse 20, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, right? Which is all of our question. This is what we're all looking for. The perfect heavenly kingdom established on earth where life works the way it was always meant to. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The faith is not waiting for something. The faith is pressing into something that's already there, I think. And so you've got all of these stories, which even though they are unrelated in certain ways, I think they're all trying to answer that question of how do I increase my faith? One is just to trust God in the day-to-day, -day, go about the things you have to do and trust that God is building faith in you. Uh, two is when you do have divine encounters or moment where moments where heaven breaks into earth in your life in big or small ways to turn around, thank God, not just to say thanks, but to actually embrace that. And like Danny, you were talking about, let it be divine encounter, just be present in it. And then I think the third one is understanding that the kingdom of heaven is breaking through into our daily life. Uh, and that rather than waiting for it, looking for it here and now. Uh, so I don't know. That's just kind of what came to mind for me. I didn't that's have great. that in mind when I asked the question, yeah, man. but uh, that's kind of what God brought. I love uh, it. Thoughts? So good. Well, if Charles isn't telling me I'm wrong, I feel like I, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just so. looking at the passage and it's just fascinating to me. There's, there's so much in everything that you just read and we just did a, a super quick flyby, which is awesome. So that's all. Charles is over here evaluating the Greek and Hebrew yeah, conjugation. Stop, <laughs> stop. <I'm not. laughs> well, it, yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, we've got these other questions. Yeah. I don't know that we can really get into them because we've taken a fair amount of time so far on our little yeah. our tangent. Uh, so I think we should probably just call it good there. Unless you guys have any other final comments, criticisms, questions. Who is the mighty angel in Revelation 10? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Okay. Let's close it out. <laughs> awesome. For next time. All right. Well, thank you here for joining us here on The Post. If you haven't already, we'd encourage you to click follow, subscribe, or like on your podcasting app to make sure you get notified when we release an episode. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear those. Just connect with us via email, info at redemptionmi.org, or you can send us a message on social media. Redemption MI on Facebook and Redemption Church MI on Instagram. Until next time, have a great week. <laughs>